Hey everyone, it's Raghu, back with Mind Rolling. And uh, a little introduction here to a wonderful chat that I had with Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, of course, famous for the book, The Four Agreements, but he has a, a new book called uh, The Three Questions, which uh, got my attention, and I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Don Miguel, and particularly another book that I think is uh, something that can be really helpful to all of us around relationships that he wrote, and I'll get into that in a minute, but I did want to uh, make everybody aware, of course, you all know about our wonderful relationship and partnership with 1440 Multiversity. And uh, they have uh, just a couple of upcoming things that I thought it'd just be great for people to know about. And one of them is uh, is something called the Zentangle Method with uh, Rick Roberts and Maria uh, Thomas. And uh, this, uh, it's it's about... Uh, well, let me read this little thing. Life is an intricate fabric of overlapping patterns and beneath the facade of chaos is order. Inside the complexity of the mind is a series of simple realizations and within each of us, no matter who we are, is an artist waking, waiting to take our pen to the page. So this sounds like a really cool thing uh, where you uh, get to go to wonderful 1440 by San Santa Cruz, right nearby Santa Cruz with this incredible campus. And, you know, imagine spending some real time as a method using your creative imagination, drawing. Uh, sounds like something I'd want to do, even though I have no capacity for art whatsoever but kelly rigo who is the manager of be here now network she tells me this is something great that can really help people so i'm all about whatever can help us get along in life uh so go try it zen tangle and also a couple of my old friends girish and war are doing retreats there around Kirtan. They're incredible Kirtan artists. And someone that you, many of you may know, Sean Korn, who's a wonderful yoga teacher, is doing a weekend there as well. And so is Rick Hansen, who uh, is an expert around neuro mindfulness and neuroplasticity. Got that right this time. And uh, yeah, Rick is a very well-known guy. So these are all weekend retreats at, in, uh, as I said, nearby Santa Cruz. Go to 1440.org, and um, you'll get all the information and many other uh, weekend retreats all through the rest of this year. But I like to, from time to time, just prompt people because uh, uh, they're pretty wonderful. And what about our own retreat, November 1 through 4, Ramdas Immersion Retreat at in Ojai at Hanuman Gardens. This beautiful spot. I'm going to be there. My beautiful wife Saraswati will be there teaching yoga and pranayama and and, and Dharma talks. And uh, Mirabai Star will be leading the Dharma talks. And guess what? My guru is going to be there. Duncan Trussell, my podcast guru, is joining us. I invited him because he has such an uh, abiding interest in the Bhagavad Gita. He's a real Gita addict. And so I'm going to find some talks from Ramdas from back in the day that he did it, the original, the first Naropa convocation in Boulder in 1974. We have all of these, we have videos of the whole darn thing. So I'm going to find some of those that uh, are going to fit into a theme that we will develop around the Gita uh, for November 1 through 4. You just go to ramdas.org and uh, go to slash events, go to the events page, and you'll see the retreat and you'll be able to register and find out all the information. Okay? All right, that's all the commercials that we can handle today. Uh, so uh, Don Miguel... Don Miguel Ruiz. So the the talk, uh, the chat that we had was based on this book, the uh, the three questions and who am I, 
what is real and what is love? Okay, we don't need any more than those three questions to get us moving along. So uh, he's a fantastic down-to-earth teacher, and we had a wonderful discussion. I'll let it lie there uh, because what I really wanted to do, because when I told told a friend of mine that I did this chat with Don Miguel, and he said, have you ever read his book, The Mastery of Love, A Practical Guide to the Art of Relationship? Now... We all need some help in that area. So I got the book and I looked through it and I like read through it and thought, wow, I got to share a little of this with our mind rolling peeps. Uh, and I just wanted to just go over a couple of things that I thought would be really um, tips, good tips. He really is very, very practical. So uh, here's, so I'll read a couple of things and, you know, just reflect in every relationship he says there are two halves of that relation one half is you and the other half is your son your daughter your father your mother your friend your partner your wife of those halves you are only responsible for your half you are not responsible for the other half how many times have we all gotten into that situation i'm going to save you i had a whole relationship built on that many years ago of I'm going to save you. And it didn't work well for me. Uh, um, It doesn't matter how close you think you are or how strongly you think you love. There is no way you can be responsible for what is inside another person's head, say the very least. You can never know what that person feels, what that person believes, all the assumptions he or she makes. You don't know anything about that person. That, that, this is the truth. But what do we do? We try to be responsible for the other half. And that is why relationships in hell are based on fear, drama, and the war of control. Oy vez mir, as my mother used to say. And so uh, let's start. The antidote on that one is take care of what's inside of you and be responsible for yourself before you even take one, uh, have one little thought that you can help anybody else or be responsible for anyone else uh, or try to save anybody, which you can never do, right? So very important. I have deep experience on that one, as I said. Um... And uh, this leads to, you know, you can't change anybody else. Uh, and he uses the great thing of uh, the, w- the way you relate with a person exactly uh, the be- is the way you relate with a dog. If you can get there, a dog is a dog. doesn't matter what you do. It's going to be a dog, right? You're not going to change a dog to a cat or a dog for a horse. It's just what it is. You cannot change other people. You love them the way they are or you don't. You accept them the way they are or you don't. To try to change them to fit what you want them to be is like trying to change a dog for a cat or a cat for a horse. That's a fact. They are what they are. You are what you are. You dance or you don't dance. You need to be completely honest with yourself to say what you want and see if you're willing to dance or not. Big, big piece of advice here. Yeah, he says you must understand this is very important. When you do truly understand, you are likely to see what is true about others and not just what you want to see. Projections, the amount of projections we lay on other people on a day-to-day basis, even people we, we don't know, never mind the people we do know, is phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I love this whole thing around... You know, centering around a relationship with your pet or with your dog. Uh, you know, when your dog does something wrong, what do you do with your dog? The dog doesn't care what you do. It just loves you. It's that unconditional love. It's unbelievable. It doesn't have any expectations. Isn't that wonderful? But what about your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife? They have so many expe- expectations and they're changing all the time. It just reminds me of one story. Um when I was in India back in the day with uh, Maharaji Neem Karoli Baba, 
you know, there was a bunch of us and coupling up and getting together. I myself, Maharaji married my first wife, Parvati, and I. We had two wonderful sons, and uh, but we in, ended up getting uh, divorced eventually, um, just karma. So there were so other people, and in particular, there was this one couple. Krishnadas told me this story. There was this one couple who um, got into a fight, and uh, the guy ended up. I'm leaving. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hang out with Dr. Mukherjee, who was one of our uh, mentors. And, and Dada, by the way, get if you want to know about Neem Karoli Baba, get Dada's book. Okay, um, by His Grace, it's called. It's phenomenal. Anyhow, he went there and. Uh, Krishnas told me the story because Dada had told him. He came to me, this man, and he was literally in tears because of this uh, complete disagreement he had had with this woman who they were going to get married and everything. You know, it was just a terrible thing for him. And uh, and this is during the Maharaji's time. In other words, during when he was alive and was seeing us all. And... uh, and he was bitterly crying and complaining and, and, and just using Dada as a, uh, uh, someone to assuage this, uh, terrible, these terrible feelings that he had. And Dada said, so Dada told this story to Krishnadas, and he said, can you imagine, Dada said, can you imagine that, you know, this kind of love is like a business, Okay, I'm going to love you if you love me back and vice versa. Without that, we don't got a deal. He said, and can you imagine that there's, he's sitting here with all of us, with Maharaji, who is asking for nothing back, and you have that true unconditional love? I'll never forget that. You know, It's something to... Now, that doesn't mean we should go... Uh, thinking, well, we'll never be able to have a relationship because, yeah, there is all this give and take. And there is, but uh, we can use Ram Dass's, uh premise around if you have a relationship that's a triangle and the third point of the triangle is the guru or is the Buddha or is uh, Christ, whoever it is for you, uh, and everything runs through that pure mind of unconditional love, you know, you stand to have a chance. Right? Okay, what else does he say here? I wanted to point out. Oh, if you understand the concept of the wounded mind, you will understand the reason why romantic relationships are so difficult. The emotional body is sick. It has wounds. It has poison. If we are not aware that we are sick or that our partner is sick, we become selfish. Self-interest rules. The wounds hurt, and we have to protect our wounds, even from the one we love. But if we have the awareness, we can have a different agreement with that. And that's just what I was talking about. And that awareness is uh, the way that we, and Ramdas has put it, uh, is running everything through the guru mind. When we are aware that our partner has emotional wounds and we love our partner, we don't want to uh, trigger those wounds. We, want to push, we don't want to push them to heal their wounds, or vice versa. What we want is to heal our own wound first. Communication through respect and love is the whole key to keeping the love alive and never getting bored in your relationship. Okay? Big, big, big line there. Communication through respect and love. And and this is the be-all, end-all, as far as I'm concerned about relationship. It's about trusting yourself and trusting your partner so that uh, the neurosis that we all have and the way that we interact with each other, we can accommodate those neurosis if we have a real trust, a a trust in the the love that is unconditional between us. Now, these are, you know, tough things to uh, accomplish uh, and it's a lifetime of work, obviously, and, and that's why making that work part of our spiritual day-to-day path is probably the only way that uh, we can be 
successful in relationships. And the last thing he said, which is probably the the big antidote to really dealing with the wounded natures that we have and how we trigger each other. Once we open the wounds, we are going to clean the wounds of all the poison. So telling the truth to ourselves and each other and being able to be in a space that's not comfortable is a prerequisite. And it's what, you know, talking, what he's talking about opening the wounds. How are we going to do this? The same master, and in this case he's talking about Christ, gave us the solution 2,000 years ago. Forgiveness. There is no other way but forgiveness to clean the wounds of all the poison. That, to me, is a mantra that we all need to repeat. And I'm in this boat with everybody else. And uh, that's why I found some of the stuff in this book, The Mastery of Love, to be very uh, practical and educational uh, to um, just turn the mind a little bit towards the possibility of a kind of openness that supersedes what uh, Dada was talking about. You know, relationships are a business. That kind of openness uh, can really turn that, uh, turn it around. So there you go. Uh, um, and, uh, oh, wait, before I go, let me just mention again, uh, this is, this is the last chance. There's a couple of spots open for the Yatra that Saraswati and I are leading to India, following in Ram Dass's footsteps. It's an extraordinary opportunity to really deepen the place in ourselves that has this open awareness and unconditional love by virtue of the kind of satsang that we will have together and be in the places where we were, I was with Maharaji, uh, with Ramdas back in the day that are still vibrating with the intensity of his unconditional love. So go to uh, nourishinglife.com slash yatra, Y-A-T-R-A, and you can find out more about it, and you can always talk to me if you want to come. All right. Here's Don Miguel Ruiz on Mind Rolling. See you next week. Welcome, Don Miguel Ruiz. So great to meet you. Happy to have you here with us. Well, it's a big pleasure for me. So uh, for everybody out there who may not know, uh, I think most people know, know you, but there may be some people who do not know you. Do you mind just telling a little bit about uh, your tradition and uh, where you come from? What's really interesting, of course, is that you come from a, a, a very uh, spiritual family and, uh, and they expected you to do what you're doing now, but actually, initially, you did not do that. You wanted to go into the medical profession. So, yeah, just a little bit about that little well, little is a lot, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, well, I was born in Mexico. I studied medicine. I'm a medical doctor. I became a surgeon. And at a certain point, I decided to stop being a medical doctor and return to my family tradition, which we call ourselves Toltecs. You know, the word Toltec means artist. Mm. Then when we talk about Toltecs, we are talking really about artists. And um, an artist have a, a very specific eye. You know, we love to see beauty in everything that comes with beauty, just like the Greeks. Hmm. Then in our point of view, everyone is, a, is a, an artist. Everyone is a Toltec. Even further, everyone is a master, even if they don't know that they're masters. Mm. Even if they have no idea, but they are. Then we see the entire humanity as just one living being, as an organ 
of a bigger, bigger being, which is the planet Earth, which is our home. Then everything about the artist is really basic common sense. Mm. Admire the beauty and to enjoy the time that we live in our physical body. And uh, I don't know anyone who uh, manages to talk about all of what you talk about and what you write about that has more quote unquote common sense. And I love that about your writing. And so that was one of the reasons I was really happy to to have you. And, and as you might know, this is uh, our Be Here Now Network, podcast network, emanates from Ram Dass's original, uh, mm-hmm. I know you know who Ram Dass is, yes, uh, and from the, yeah, <laughs> and the, but the, but uh, it's just really mindful, remindful for me of when I first met Ram Dass and the kinds of practical, um, down-to-earth uh, transmission of, uh, of teachings that uh, can be extraordinarily helpful. And uh, this, uh, now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Don Miguel is really well known for a book called The Four Agreements. And uh, I mean, there's so many, so much stuff for us to talk about. It'll be hard to get it all in in a short time. And But I would also recommend you know, the, the book that you wrote, The Mastery of Love, because that's such a problematic thing, uh, love and relationships and so on. So... Um, but this book that we're going to talk about today is called The Three Questions, and, and those questions are, who am I, what is real, and how do I express love? But I'll tell you, there's one, uh, you know, as in reading, uh, Don Miguel, there's uh, one thing you say, would we say that we are free from worry and conflict? Would we say we finally understand how to be the best humans we can be? And that is a favorite topic for me uh, on on this uh, podcast, Mind Rolling. Uh, how can we just be, let's just start simply, better humans. And I, of course, His Holiness talks about this kind of, the Dalai Lama talks about this all the time. Uh, my only religion is kindness, is, is what he says. But for those who are willing, as you say, to ask what's real, is to go through unfamiliar familiar doors and I, I myself think that is uh, extraordinary uh, extraordinarily important um, because to me and maybe you could uh, ex- explicate this uh, unfamiliar doors I, I take it as we have built up so much habitual patterns and you do talk about in the book change requires action can you talk about uh, what you really, uh, you know, the depth of, of going through, a person going through unfamiliar doors and, and so on? Well, it's, uh, I, I'm really happy that we, that we are talking about this, this new book. You know, these three questions, answering these three questions is, is leading us to what we really are, even if we don't know what we are. Because uh, we are so used to uh, live in a very familiar uh, dream or story that we create without knowing that uh, what we pretend to be is not even real. We are are being pretended all of our life, pretending to be what we are not. in order to do that, we create so many different personalities that wherever we go, we express ourselves in a completely different way and react according to what is needed in that moment. But I can see that the majority of us are not even authentic with ourselves. And this is what makes us feel uncomfortable with ourselves. Then by answering, what am I? First, we have to see what we are not. Mm. And we are not what we pretend to be. If we push away all, all, all what we pretend, what we find out is authenticity. That is no longer important what people think about us, their opinions, 
but we know exactly what is what we want. And we have to understand also that everybody around us, they're exactly the same, but they don't know. Then they make all those judgments of you or opinions about you, but this is not even real because what they're judging is a secondary character in their story, not in yours. Then mm -hmm. uh, that takes us to the other to the to other the other question: What is real? Is this real? Well, we don't know that we create our own story and we live in that story and we really believe in that story. But just like us, everybody around did exactly the same thing. They live in their own story and they really don't care about our personal story. They only care about the way they perceive the world. Then is that real? No, it's just really in our head, but it's only real for us. Then when when we see what is not real, we will accept our own creation and even enjoy our own creation. Hmm. Then what is love? Well, in order to really know what love is, we have to see what love is not. Doing all of that, we are going in a completely different directions, different doors that is not familiar because we are so used to the way people love, which is with conditions. I love you if this is how we learn to love and we believe it. We believe it for so long that we can see that this is the main problem in the entire humanity because they love with conditions and they want to impose those conditions to whoever is around us. We see that in the individual. We see that we, we see the same thing in groups. We see the same thing in nations. We want to impose the way we believe because we love them if they let us control them. Mm. But we don't want that anybody control us. But the worst part is that we learn to love ourselves exactly the same way. Mm. Wow. I love myself if I become what I'm supposed to be, the way everybody wants me to be. And if not, I will punish myself because I'm not worth it to that love. Hmm. Then okay. by answering these two questions, our life will change completely. It doesn't mean that anybody around us will change, but we will accept that reality the way it is, because we don't need to try to control them to be what we want them to be. Mm. In other words, we are part of this reality that is not affecting us at all. You know, we see a lot of turmoil around ourselves. We see problems with our family, wife or husband or children, and we live in, 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 in in that creation, but we also see it in the group of people at work, at school, in our nation. We see all, all those uh, people trying to control each other, fighting for power, etc., etc., living in that reality that everybody creates. But if you step aside, then you can see that, yes, it's not real what is happening but it will not affect us. You know, we learn to see the way things are, not the way we want them to be. And we can take a lot of advantage of that if that's what we want to. We can, we can uh, predict what is going to happen around us, and we can step always a step ahead and make a big difference but we cannot make a big difference if we don't make that difference in ourselves. That's why I think it's important to, to answer these three questions because it's really for the individual. These questions is for you, is for this, for whoever are listening to us. We need to answer those questions. What I'm really, do I have any idea of what I am? 
because uh, all the definitions will change depending what which language are using. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting to see that once you find out what you're not, what is left is the mm -hmm. truth because you're real, you really exist. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you don't know exactly what you are, but you're alive and you have awareness and you can play whatever game you want to. Yeah. Um I, I think th uh, we do talk about, uh, we have a funny thing my friend Krishna Das came up with. You wake up in the morning and the movie of me begins. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and here you, you talk about it in this book as well. The voice of me has been running the show for so long we hardly notice. Once we notice, we can save ourselves. We can regain a little sanity. Yeah. Uh, so that that seems to be one of the most difficult things in terms of getting real with ourselves is is the belief that we have in our that me the voice of me as you call it uh, maybe you can talk about what are some of the uh, antidotes to well, transform just the realization a that you're doing it and and how caught up we are I mean I've been doing practices for a very long time since I was in India back in the day with Ram Das and Neem Karoli Baba. And I am very clear about what I see. The unreality of that, uh, that dialogue is still going on. And uh, talk about that a little bit. Very difficult. I think this is extremely important. You know, let's use our imagination, okay? In all of our life, like we say, it's been ruled by me which is what I believe I am. And we have to be in a certain way. We have so many rules in our mind that we have to, to follow or we're gonna be punished. Mm -hmm. We create all those limitations. This is real, this is not real, this is possible, this is not possible. I, I can make that, I cannot make that. And then we qualify ourselves. I'm intelligent, I'm stupid, et cetera, et cetera. But all that, as we said before, is me. Then just imagine if you no longer have to be you. <laughs> well, if I don't have to be me anymore, just like magic, everything just disappear. All those pressures disappear. All, all, the, uh, all the worries, all those fears, they just gone away because I don't have to be me, I'm free of me. At that point, that image of myself either rebel or surrender and becomes our, our ally. Then whatever circumstance happen in life, that image of me will help, will help us to really explore, to send our message, to share our love, to really express ourselves in the rest of humanity. And we can do that because now we do that with ourselves. You know, like I was, uh, everybody knows me as Miguel Ruiz, but Miguel Ruiz is me mm -hmm. and is not real. And I got so clear so many, many years ago. Then I have that freedom that I don't have to follow my own rules. <laughs> but of course, there's also rules in society that I have to respect, not necessarily agree with them, but I have to respect it because I respect those rules. Those rules will respect me too then I don't go against what will affect other people's belief. And I will not impose myself. You know, like I, I don't consider myself anybody else, teacher or master or guru or etc. No, they are their own. They don't need any master. They don't need any guru. They have themselves. 
because before behind me is that force that moves our physical body, which is energy. You know, energy cannot be destroyed. And is that half of the truth because the other half is matter. Then we have both in our physical body. We have the force that moves the physical body and the physical body that is more moved and transformed by that force. And me is just the reflection of that force because the, the reflection of the truth of that force is the human mind, which is a virtual reality. And the highest point of the, that virtual reality, which is the mind, is the creation of me. Because me have the awareness, have the consciousness, and he's the one who rules that story that we create in our mind. Our, our little country in our mind is ruled by me. Mm. And uh, just keeping on this a little bit, because in another spot in the book, uh, you say when we're finally able to disarm the emotional triggers in our own story, we can recall any event with, without the usual self-pity or self-importance. That's, uh, that's a profound statement. But how, how to disarm the emotional triggers? Well, if you see in, in this book, I compare the, the human mind as a country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the government, yeah. In, in that country is ruled, of course, by me. I have a Congress. And they hung, they, that Congress have all those, all those laws, all those rules. Who telling you the way you should be, the way you should believe, etc., etc. Then we can find that more than the 90% of those rules uh, is, is not, they don't have any justice. Then in order to make that change, we need to change those laws in the Congress. We have to challenge all the laws that the Congress is, is uh, using against us. Then when we change one by one, those rules or those laws me becomes stronger, the Congress becomes weaker because it's the Congress who creates that law and it's the judge who imposed the law to me. Then me was the victim of all his beliefs. He was the victim of the, con of the Congress and the judge was the one that, that made, uh, that enforced that law then when we are able to change our personal constitution, it becomes more and more free until the point that me have to face himself at last. Because this is the last point to really have a free country in ourselves. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, and that, all right, so the, the, that point perspective of that me the real me shall we say uh that changes the uh constitution of the of the projected movie me with all of the rules that we've created over a lifetime uh i can i call this in in my languaging me meaning me with ramdas and the work that we do that me is identified by the non-judgmental center of your core being, uh, loving awareness. And from that place, and that's what we encourage is people getting into that core being and then being able to non-judgmentally change, make effective change, in, and in your terms, change this government and this Congress. Is that fair? It's fair. You know... Um this part behind me, <clears throat> I call it the artist. Mm, right, right. Or the inspiration for the artist, because it's me, the one who is the artist really in our mind, is the reflection. But that inspiration is that force, it's life, it's life itself. 
that we can call it as some many different names. We can call it God if we want to. We can call it uh, just energy, power. It doesn't matter the name. What is important is to understand the concept, which is what moves everything, all the stars, galaxies, quantums, all matter is moved by that force. And that force is, is the only thing that really exists because even matter is a creation of that force. We can call it God, it's a good name. The problem is that, that we distort that name and, and that's the reason why many people declare that they don't believe in God. But it's exactly the same thing. Mm. God, energy, power is exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, in the book, this is also, of course, you talk about fear, and especially fears we don't even admit to, to ourselves. And, um, and, and of course, love is the antidote to fear. And you talk about some people stop believing their thoughts altogether. This is important because once the voice in our heads loses authority, it turns silent. I mean, exactly. Isn't, I mean, that's maybe elaborate a little bit about that because mm -hmm. we are so identifying with those thoughts on a day to day. You know, there's a movie that I like a lot. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I say it, there is a movie that I like a lot. And the name of the movie is uh, uh, Incredible Minds or Amazing Minds, something like that. Um, and in, in, in that movie, there is a man who see people. Mm -hmm. only, he's the only one who see them. And, uh, and it's only in his mind. And everybody thinks he's a schizophrenic, et cetera, et cetera. The beauty of, of, of this movie is that in certain point, he decides not to pay attention to those voices, to these people who appear in that movie. And by the end, they exist, but he saw them, but they don't have a voice. And it's something that I told to, you know, I told to my apprentices and my children, um, that we all are just like the, this, this guy in that movie, but we don't see uh, uh, imaginary people, but we hear their voice. And that voice is telling us how to live our life. Then if at a certain point we can stop those voices, we reach that inner silence. And there's so many, so many ways how in different traditions, they do the best they can to stop uh, that inner voice, that inner dialogue. We can use mantras, we can use dancing, running, force, music. When we do all those kind of things, we are not thinking. We're just feeling. Then like a little mantra that I give to the people who listen to me is to tell to themselves, stop, just stop. Whatever we start thinking, stop and stop, stop, stop. This is a magical word <laughs> because whatever we have in our head, as soon as we say stop, is stopping. But have the tendency to come back and to come back and to come back. But if we use a rosary or a mala or something like that, and start saying stop, 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 stop. Very soon, with that practice, we will stop thinking unless we need to think about something that is important to us. But then we control the thinking. The thinking is not controlling us anymore. Hmm. And it's yeah. something that is looks so simple and it's very simple, but it's very effective. Yeah. It works. New mantra. 
stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. You also yeah. say, the voice of me has been running the show for so long we hardly notice. And of course, how true mm -hmm. is that? Once we notice, we can save ourselves. We can regain a little sanity at any time. We can politely end the conversation we're having with ourselves, which is what you're talking about, mm -hmm. just as we do when we're on the phone. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> Everybody out there, you can do this. We can say we have to go. I got to run, honey. All my love. Bye bye. Mm -hmm. We can do this anytime while driving on the street or even while trying to go to sleep at night. Ciao. Gotta go, and we hang up on ourselves. <laughs> hang up on ourselves is so great, though, Miguel. So great. <laughs> uh, well, um, I this uh, we have to before we um, stop this conversation. We must talk about love, which uh, and, and in the book, what most of you say, what most of us call love is the opposite of love. Yes, because uh, we are taught love with conditions, and and this is not just our personal; it's humanity's problem. Uh, we corrupt love. We are taught to distrust the only real thing there is, life's infinite force. Let's talk about love and and how we have really um, we we get mixed up about it in the West. Well, love is another way to call the truth. Also, mm. you know. Is that force who inspire the artist, and in, in the corruption, uh, we create exactly the opposite. You know, when you see yourself in the mirror, your left hand becomes the right hand, mm. and the left hand becomes etc. Anyway, uh, when love see itself in a mirror, it becomes the opposite also, and this is how me see himself as a conditional love, which is the opposite of love. And when we was born, we are pure love, we can say that. But all around us is nothing but unconditional love. And we learn to love exactly the same way that everybody else love each other. With conditions, I love you if. And like I said before, we learn to love ourselves exactly the same way. I love myself if. Yeah. But once that we grow up, we understand and we want to transcend the conditional love, what we will find out is that we are love itself. Behind me is pure unconditional love. When it goes through me, it starts going the opposite way. But when when me understand that point, it shifts itself into its own inspiration and becomes that real love. And, you know, we perceive that unconditional love in so many times in so many different ways. Like for example, when we have a newborn baby in our hands, and especially if it's our own, we have no conditions. We just give everything we can. Even we can give our own life to defend that little precious guy that we have in our hands. That is the greatest example of unconditional love. Then if we can love ourselves exactly the same way that we love this newborn baby, then we love ourselves also unconditionally. And once we feel that, we really can start sharing wherever we go because they will perceive us with that unconditional love. And that love is extremely contagious. Everybody loves to be around you. Yeah. Everybody wants to feel your presence. You know, it's something wonderful when you really know that you are unconditional love. Yeah. And of course, people will not perceive you exactly that way because they love with conditions. And it's okay. You know, everything is really okay. We need to respect their own creation because they're also artists. And behind their me, 
is the same force that is moving us. There's no difference at all, not in between humans or between animals or plants or rocks. It's exactly the same. We are only one. And there is no doubt about that. Then while I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself. And whoever is listening, I'm talking to them also. And they can perceive that. that becomes just pure common sense is pure action reaction i love you the reaction is that you love me if i'm angry of you the reaction will be that you're angry of me it's something extremely simple then when i offend somebody i really hurting myself by offending somebody and because that somebody will be upset with me, mad with me, and it will hate me back. Then whatever I do to other people, it will come back to me. Then if I love them, we will race in love, which is something wonderful. I think this is great. Yeah. And and don't, let us not forget also, you mentioned respect. And I think, and this is all through not just this book, but also uh, as I was reading uh, recently, Mastery of Love. Uh, respect is, uh, has gone by the wayside in our culture these days, has it not? Here in this country, most particularly with the, the polarity that is going on. And, and uh, I, I do so wholeheartedly agree with you and find myself dealing with this as well, respect. Everybody has that same force, as you just said, behind them, that same love. They want to be happy and, uh, and, is, and are deserving of, re- of our respect. Yes, it's the most important part of love, respect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just... Uh, the just the icing on the cake one more thing you said very brief unconditional love for ourselves is the definition of paradise yes. i love that i love that thank you so much don miguel ruiz it's been delightful so delightful being here with you and everybody on uh when you go to the Mind Rolling page on Be Here Now Network. We'll have links to uh, Don Miguel's books and uh, other topics that we have had in this conversation. Uh, somehow, I got to get that movie that you talked about. We'll, <laughs> we'll, if you, if you find it, get somebody to email me the name of it because we'll include that as well. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, look forward to perhaps uh, hanging out with you uh, at another time. Thank you, thank you. Let's change the Congress. <laughs> yeah, let's change the Congress. <laughs> That's our new slogan. Absolutely. <laughs> Stop. Let's change the Congress. That's yeah. good. All right. Uh, see you all, everybody, uh, next week on Mind Rolling on the Be Here Now Network. <laughs>